Welcome to Musically Hitched, a podcast featuring the untold stories of entertainment professionals from household names to budding superstars and those still hidden in plain sight. Each life has a soundtrack. Our stories are the lyrics. I'm Zach Reynolds Jr. And I'm Crystal Reynolds. This This is Musically Musically Hitched. In today's episode, Crystal and I discuss where it all began. From my childhood days and first exposures to music, to our first professional gigs as musicians, and how we almost never met. If you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to please like and subscribe so that you're always notified when new episodes are released. I grew up in a musical family in Madison, North Carolina which is a small town with big impact, a wonderful place, just north of Greensboro and south of the Virginia state line. I was raised in a family that had embedded musical talent, particularly on my mom's side. So in our immediate family, my mom, whose name is Mary, plays guitar and my dad, Zach Sr., a vocalist, loved to sing. I have an older sister named Malia who plays piano and was taking lessons and playing as I was growing up. We're eight years apart. But before my parents, of course, were their parents. On my mom's side specifically, I never met my great-grandfather. But his name was Robert Joyce. And the legend around Madison, which is again a small town where everybody knows each other, is that my great-grandfather was an excellent guitar player. And so that explained why my mom was able to pick it up and, and go with it, which helped me to develop the ability as well. I played numerous instruments. Started playing drums when I was eight years old, then picked up bass guitar, and later learned both piano and organ as a teenager. My favorite instrument, and the one that I gravitated to the most ultimately, is the bass guitar. I got my musical start in church, like a lot of professional musicians that play gospel as well as those that play secular music. The soul, the rhythm, the feel, a lot of that came from growing up in church, hearing choirs, singing in kids' choir, then gravitating to instruments and beginning to eventually become a church musician. So that was my start. I started on the drums, playing in church. Got good enough to play for the choirs and the groups that perform on Sunday morning. And then I started getting calls from other musicians at other churches in the local area to accompany them on drums as well. And that's when I knew I had a talent for that because I was able to just, to walk up to a drum set in front of 100, 200 people, however many would fit in the congregation. Choir anniversaries were a big thing in the South growing up in North Carolina in the 80s and the 90s. That was an opportunity for the community to come together around music. It was a very festive time, and it would bring out the most talented musicians in your city, the county, sometimes from around the state. And that was inspiring to see older adults males and females, even teenagers, and those much further along than you musically, coming together under one roof to share their talent. Sometimes it would be 30 groups or performers on one anniversary celebration, performing back to back. So that would obviously raise the bar and it would allow you to hear a lot of music in a two, three, four hour span on a Saturday night or Sunday evening after church. And it would also inspire you to go home and to try and learn and mimic those that were talented 
and we had a lot of talented people. There were a lot of talented people in Rockingham County. Always was and probably always will be. I grew up in a small town called Creedmoor in North Carolina. At that time, I think we had about two stoplights, maybe about 2,500 people. That was the size of our population. And my mother and father, Phil and Barbara Morton, they had four children. We grew up in a household where music was loved, specifically gospel music. I remember as a child hearing the harmonies of my siblings and my parents. And I'm sure my mom and dad encouraged me to sing at a young age, and I probably jumped in. One of the songs that comes to mind is Don't Forget the Family Prayer. Even to this day, I'm sure we could strike up the tune. Um, And it brings back fond memories of hearing music directly in real time in my home. My parents were singers. They sang in church. They sang in the community. They were asked pretty frequently to sing as a duet. If you're familiar with Phil and Brenda Nicholas, they were the Phil and Brenda Nicholas uh, in North Carolina and regionally when they would travel and sing at different events. And so seeing them on stage and seeing them stand up and speak in front of an audience and having the confidence to do that without looking nervous was reassuring for me. And I liked the fact that I could learn from them. I learned to read music in elementary school. I had a really good music teacher, Mr. Joyner, who taught the class how to read music by playing a recorder. So that was my first instrument. And we read music using a small book. My recorder was, I think it was cream in color or brown. And it was a a small handbook, if you will, mapping out the notes on a recorder. And I had it at home and I practiced. I'm sure the sound was annoying to my parents (laughs) at the time, but it helped me to learn uh, what those notes were supposed to sound like. And a little bit later, I had piano lessons with a well-known music teacher in the area named Mr. Riddick. And he would come to our home and sit at the piano with me and and teach me various practices and, and lessons on the piano. I didn't really go very far with the piano, but at least I had the basic training of the treble clef and the bass clef and how that all worked together. So I played the recorder, a little bit of piano, And as I got older and entered middle school, I was interested in the clarinet. It was a woodwind instrument and wasn't too hard to play, only hard if you didn't practice. But uh, I got the hang of that and, and learned to enjoy it. My mom says that I wanted to play the drums in high school. I wanted to play one of the bass drums, I believe, in the marching band because I did that for a while. I played the clarinet in middle school and then I transitioned to the French horn which was another challenge of playing a brass instrument. And that was very hard for me. So although I could read music, brass instruments are just another beast. And as a high school marching band member, I played the mellophone, which is the marching version of the French horn. That was a lot of fun. Being able to sing, being able to read music and playing several instruments, as you can imagine, 
I really enjoyed music. It was something about it that was cathartic for me. My maternal grandparents were Garfield and Savannah Joyce, who loved music and decided to start a family gospel group when I was in elementary or middle school. They decided to name it the GNS Gospel Singers, naming it after themselves, using the first letter of each of their names. They had six daughters, so the group was basically a collection of several of my aunts that lived in North Carolina. At the time, my parents, my sister and I, as well as my cousins who were also budding musicians. So started on drums and after my parents bought me a drum set, they saw my progress on the drums and I guess they just felt like it would be good for me to pick up another instrument. And at a certain point, they all of a sudden bought a bass guitar. It was a complete surprise when they brought it home and I actually still have it to this day. It was an Area Pro that was the brand name, black four string bass guitar. And I don't know exactly how long it took me to learn how to play it. I just remember that I was playing drums at eight and by the time I was 11, 12 years old, I was getting pretty decent at playing bass, particularly gospel music. And I was becoming confident enough to start playing at the family group's rehearsals. We would rehearse at my grandparents' home, a lot of times in the kitchen or the living room area, wherever we could, sometimes at the church. But that was where I really started to learn how to play and was inspired to play music. I also grew up attending my sister's piano lessons, but I was never participating. I was always just waiting around until she was done. She grew up reading music and learning how to do that and playing in church as well. Ironically, I never took formal lessons as a child. I'm self-taught on four instruments, and I know that's a gift from God. I learned by listening to tapes back then, you know, the cassette tapes. I can even remember 45s being in the house as well, but I'm pretty sure I learned by listening to tapes, particularly gospel music, because we did a lot of quartet and ensemble music back in the day rewinding and fast-forwarding the tapes over and over until you got it right. That was how I learned to cover songs appropriately. We were traveling regionally by the time I was in middle school and high school, performing all over the place between the Carolinas and Virginia. At first, the family brought in a few guitar players from neighboring cities to be the musicians for the group along with my mom. Eventually, I was able to play to the point where there was really no need for the bassist that was playing before me to be there any longer. It was obvious that I was a blood and a family member. So since this was a family group, it just made sense for me to be the basis because of my talent as I was progressing quickly, both in skill and confidence, getting better and better, faster and faster, soaking it up like a sponge. So it was just a natural progression for me to do that. And so to go a little bit forward, after that, I eventually picked up the keys. I started learning keys out of necessity, actually. I, our church at the time had some musicians that they transitioned through during my teenage years. I ended up learning keys and became musical director at our church, which was my first musical leadership role in addition to the family group. My first professional job, the first thing that I actually got paid for doing was playing the bass guitar. I used to get paid, I think it was like $50 a Sunday, which is pretty good for someone that was in middle school. So that's about $200 a month in the early 90s for someone who's 11, 12, 13 years old. That was pretty good. That let me know that you can do this, be good at it and love it, and you can get paid. At that time, the motivation wasn't the money. It was just a very nice reward. But they were going to pay someone. Our church paid musicians. We didn't come from a church that 
didn't believe in paying musicians. So they paid the music director, the organist, the keyboardist, and they paid us. We didn't get paid, of course, in the family group. But again, we weren't really expecting to get paid from church. So very, very different than just getting an allowance for doing chores and things like that. As a junior or senior in high school, I signed up for show choir. My teacher was Miss Prim. After a while, I got the hang of what show choir was all about. And it was pretty much the cream of the crop of singers at the school. We had many different styles of music to learn. One in particular was Blue Skies. And we had to dance and sing at the same time. And I remember, blue skies smiling at me, nothing but blue skies do I see. So that one rang in my head a lot. And I remember it being a festive tune and something that, you know, I'll never forget. And we worked really hard. We had to learn a lot of material for our concerts. And I was able to be in the class with some of my friends and share those moments with them. I also watched two of my siblings be a part of a group at church called The Message. And The Message was a more contemporary gospel group who sang original music and also covered songs that were popular on the radio, like from Fred Hammond, Commission, and and other folks. And, you know, at that time, I was much younger. And again, seeing them on the stage, similar to uh, my thoughts of my parents, I saw them have high energy and excited about what they were doing. We attended a church in Creedmoor called Christian Faith Center. The pastors were Mac and Brenda Timberlake. It started out as a small church in the old First Baptist building, and it grew to have thousands of members attending from numerous states. At Christian Faith Center, we had a recording studio. Uh, We had opportunities for kids to be involved in dance and singing and the orchestra, drama, you name it, we had it. It was a learning ground, but also a place where you could get involved. I participated in several different activities, one of which was the orchestra. Because I played clarinet in middle school, I decided to continue or pick that back up and and play it at church. And we had to read music while we played. So the same teacher, Mr. Joyner, who taught me to read music, was the director for the orchestra at our church. And he knew I played French horn as well. He didn't ask if I could play it at church, but I remember him giving me a pen of a French horn. It was very pretty. He gave me that pen. I can't remember if it was for Christmas or what, but just to say, I guess, encouraging me to continue on the path of learning how to play different instruments. I also participated in uh, dance. I was on one of the dance teams and there we did various types like interpretive dance. We did some dancing to Hebrew music. It was just a great place to use your talent. It was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We were obviously there as a family group to perform and we were sitting, you know, just out in the audience, just like everyone else. And there was a professional group I won't name the name, but they got up to perform. And when they were setting up, the lead singer was looking around and it looked like he was hesitating. 
And while the rest of the guys were sound checking, it looked like he was looking for something or someone. Long story short, he basically got on the mic and said, you know, to the audience, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize. This normally doesn't happen, but it looks like our bass player is not here yet. And I just realized it. Believe it or not, he actually said, do we have a bass player in the house? That's what I remember him saying. <laughs> and the church is full of people and everybody's looking around to the left and the right like, did anybody here play bass? This guy's got an opportunity. And I remember being near the back of the church. My parents were like, thumbs up. You can do it. And I remember being like, mm, well, I probably can, but I have no idea what they're going to play, so I think I'll pass. Thought about it for a few more seconds and eventually decided just to go up and do it and say, hey, this is an opportunity. You never know what can happen. Grabbed my bass, went to the front. I know he thought I was crazy, but, you know, I was willing to do it. He asked, so why not? Let them kick off the songs. Eventually, I picked up exactly what they were playing because I could play by ear, so that was pretty, pretty natural for me at that point. I played however many songs they played, probably two, three, four songs. Sat down, the rest was history. But that was a huge confidence booster because, again, that was another moment where I realized I have something special, something unique, and I need to stick with this. I got into writing and recording right before I went to college. I remember asking my parents to buy me my first keyboard after I'd learned to play good enough to warrant getting one. I remember I was going to buy a $500 keyboard at the time called a Roland XP-10. And we ordered one. My parents paid for it. But miraculously, when the UPS truck came and delivered, the box, it had Roland on it, the name brand, but it was a much bigger box than I was expecting because I was familiar with the XP-10 and its size. It was a much smaller starter type digital piano. When I opened the box, it was actually a Roland XP-60 workstation. And anybody that knows about the XP series knows that that was one of Roland's flagship music producer, music sequencing keyboards. And so I was of course like a kid in a candy store. When I saw that, I was blown away because that keyboard had to cost at least $1,000 more than the one I wanted. It had the ability to do everything that that keyboard could do, plus a gazillion things more. So I saw that as a sign that here's my opportunity to learn how to sequence. I learned how to create beats, learn how to compose. And because I was already playing drums, I knew how to drum program, or at least in my head. So I learned how to do that on a keyboard. Knowing how to play the bass, I could do the bass lines with my left hand. Then I was able to begin putting tracks together by way of that accidental delivery, if you will. Looking back, I know it wasn't an accident, as I believe everything happens for a reason. So I believe it was God designing it all along. I got into songwriting as a result of that. The first recording session that I remember doing was late high school at a local studio. I remember composing my first song titled Excited and we attempted to record it, but it's been so long that I don't remember what happened to it at this point. But I do remember writing it for some sessions that I was working on. I had the opportunity to record in the church studio we would do that from time to time, and I learned how to sing in the studio. It was very different from singing live. Obviously, you had to prepare before you arrived and know your parts so that you wouldn't be in there all night trying to finish the song. Leaving high school, I went to UNC Chapel Hill. UNC Chapel Hill was 
a place where I found my strength as a singer. I auditioned for several acapella groups. Acapella music was something that I really loved. And I was introduced to acapella music uh, via my sister who loved Take Six when I was a kid. At Carolina, I joined several acapella groups. One was a gospel acapella group. And the other two were more, if you will, pop groups. One was called Harmonics. The other was the Lorelei. I auditioned for Lorelei just to prove a point partly and also to uh, bust my chops in the area of pop and AC music because I knew that they read music. I actually had to read music for the audition, whereas I didn't have to do that for the other groups. I really just had to sing and hold my note and, you know, fit into a group well. This particular group required reading music. That's how they learned the songs that they performed. And I made the group. Uh, I was surprised, but I was one of two, I think, black students in Lorelei, which is an all-girls acapella group. The group that had the greatest impact on me was Vision. It was a co-ed acapella group started by a friend of mine who wanted to bring together a small group of people to sing gospel music. We instantly became family and found a home. We found a place where our voices seemed to blend perfectly. Not only did we grow as individuals, we grew as singers. We learned all material by ear. I also had the opportunity to arrange vocal parts and use my directing and beatboxing skills. Everyone was encouraged, and when we shined as soloists, we all celebrated those moments of genius. Within Vision, I overcame my anxiety of singing solos. I also started to gain more confidence as a performer. I went off to college, started at UNC Greensboro, and ended up transferring as a sophomore to UNC Chapel Hill. And because of my exposure to church and the fact that I had been doing that all of my life and up to that point, I had purpose that I wasn't going to join a gospel choir as an extracurricular activity or anything like that in college, even though I'd heard about the popularity of gospel choirs on college campuses. I found out about gospel choir at the first black student movement meeting. If you were new on campus and you were black, you needed to be at this meeting because it was going to be very important to learn more about how to be active in the issues of being black on campus. One of the activities that is housed, if you will, in BSM is the gospel choir. I went to that first meeting, the room was packed, standing room only, and they announced that they were looking for members uh, for the gospel choir. And I was excited. And I went to the rehearsal and found a home for my gospel passion. And that was the place that I needed to be. Rewind. I had purpose that I wasn't going to join a gospel choir as an extracurricular activity. But we as people can be persuaded. And that's what happened to me. To our listeners, we'd like to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's content, be sure to like and subscribe so that you'll always be notified of new episodes. This is Zach Reynolds Jr. We look forward to you joining us again for another episode of Musically Hitched.